Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast, adding a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to make your Tuesday just right. Here's your hosts, Lisa and Olivia. What I've kind of learned is that it's it's really easy to kind of be a believer and have faith and um, like have a good relationship with God when things are all going well and like your family's healthy and you're healthy and life's good. And it's a lot more challenging to be that the Christian that you are when things are good, when things are really bad. Um, but without my faith and without believing in God, like I don't know how I would have gotten up every day and gotten through every day. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast. My name is Olivia, and I'm an entrepreneur, brand builder, content creator, and to the left of me is... That was a drum roll. Lisa Brasser. Thanks for clarifying that. Hi, I'm Lisa Brasser. I'm a mom (laughs) to two boys. I'm married... To three boys. Uh... And I'm married to one of them. Oh. That's yeah. I mean, whatever you do, what you gotta do. Um, <laughs> and how do I even pick my current obsession this week? Oh. Well, you already have like thirteen. Okay, so I'll I'll do a few of them. Um, one, Drake's new album. Round of applause. Barf, 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 Three. Barf, barf, barf. You haven't even heard it. Have you listened to Taylor Swift's new album? Yep. Both. Uh, no, not the newest one. You listen to that? I didn't say I'll barf, barf, listen. barf, 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 barf. You do every time I talk about Taylor Swift. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, I'll listen to I Drake's. physically barf, but I don't actually say barf. We have similar it's taste different. in music. I love The Weeknd. I love The Civil Wars. You like The Civil Wars? Do you like Mumford? Yeah. You saying you like The Weeknd is surprising. What What? What The Weeknd? Blinding, blinding Lights, The Weeknd? Yeah, just his one trendy song. Just Blinding Lights. Really? No. I like his album. I listen to it all the time. Yeah. Oh, so his most recent album? Um, I like what is After Hours? Is that the name of it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. okay. I like that album. Yeah. I oh, know good. about music. I like a lot of different like folk type of music, mm-hmm. pop folk, Mumford stuff in addition to that. I love Lana. I do kind of like Billie Eilish a little bit more since I heard her live performance and she's pretty good, but I don't really, really seek good. her out. I'm just saying we do have a similar taste. I just don't really like Drake and you really don't like Taylor Swift. So I think that that's yeah. where like the combat. But you is. haven't really listened to Drake. Um, It's just not my type of music. I don't really yeah. get it. I mean, I've listened to Taylor Swift and I gave her a chance and that's why I don't okay, like Okay. And I've listened to some of Drake's songs. I mean, Call Me On My Cell Phone was enough for me to be like, Call Me On My Cell Phone. Whatever it's Hotline bling. I don't, I don't <laughs> even care. It's the most annoying song I've ever heard in my life. So. Well, that's not my favorite. Okay. I can send you my send favorites. Send me Take your favorites. Care. Oh my gosh. Just that album alone. But anyways, Scary Hours 2, y'all. Wants and Needs. At first, Lemon Pepper Freestyle was a fave, but Wants and Needs lately ams i got ams on it's my it mind. that's not just, my vibe like uh, that just, type like, of music at all like for to me, me that's it's like feel good oh okay <laughs> yeah i can't good. vibe to that i don't even understand uh, how to yeah really good anyways like i feel like i've just like gotten to a realm of like a lot of like okay obviously drake putting out a new album feels great and just getting into more i'm finding like new artists and that's just been making me feel good 
And then I found out that my favorite canned wine actually has bottles of their wine. And I I found it the other day for the first time. That's great. And that felt good. Um, I just want to say that right now, because I feel like I need to talk about other music so you know. Loving Miguel. Do you listen to him? Yeah. His other stuff, not just his one famous one. The Killers, I'm really liking their new album. Love The Killers. The Parcel, or just Parcels. I don't know if you've heard them. And then also Young the Giant. I saw them live. They were one of the best bands I've seen live. I... You would know Cough. Oh yeah. Their newest album is so, so good. Um anyway, I just wanted to say that I do have a wide Mm -hmm. array. Bishop Briggs Mm -hmm. is always good. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to prove my worth to you. Um and my current obsession is last night I was sitting on the couch and Elle, my dog, who is obsessed with Lisa and, and Lisa doesn't really like her because she's obsessed with her or Elle's obsessed with Lisa but listen to this part just with an open mind so you know she has her bone that she carries around Mm -hmm. so you know she has to bury it yeah okay so my my dog has to bury her bone but there's nowhere to bury it because she's not outside so it's like this weird instinctual thing she starts to whine she gets really upset she doesn't know where to bury it sometimes I find find them under my bed but my door's (laughs) usually closed so then usually what she resorts to is she puts it against the wall and then uses her head on the carpet to try to cover it and it's really sad so last night pacing long time 30 minutes jumps up on the couch looks over at me and I'm just sitting there with my arms down walks on top of me puts her bone like where the crease of my arm and my leg is and starts to dig on my jacket to cover it and I'm just keeping my arm there and I'm like don't move don't move and she's trying to literally use her paw to bury the bone on me like and i was like hell this is this isn't a moving sir or this is a moving surface oh no and then i had to move it and she got so upset and it was the funniest thing so that's it it's my current obsession i would have like opened up my arm a little bit and then to the point where she can't see it anymore and then like clasp your arm against you and, and then so just stay there all night when you but when you get up she can't see it so she true will think that she actually buried it yeah it was very cute just advice for next time because i Thank do you. appreciate that yeah um okay Good. let's let's uh quickly get to the silver lining of the week okay i may or may not have um stopped taking my medication not on purpose that's every time it's not on purpose. i know how long it's actually been a couple weeks have you noticed a difference at all i don't know what answer to say <laughs> well last no, time no i, I actually <laughs> no yeah i mean last time you were more emotional without it uh, but this time remember no. i thought i was high and i'm like i yeah. have to go home i can't stay well maybe <laughs> maybe we're maybe you can start phasing out of it then well this is the same time i stopped with bear actually around really? the same time mm-hmm. so maybe your hormones are balancing themselves i think so That's really and exciting. and also i'm not i didn't stop cold turkey because i was taking halves i went down to halves because well here's what actually happened I um, forgot to take it and uh, and then I was like wait it's been two days I actually usually start to feel like really bad and I can notice I haven't been taking it but I didn't so I'm like let me just take a half but I'm gonna keep taking halves and I kept doing that for a few weeks Mm -hmm. and then (sighs) I'm just really bad at taking my medication I forgot (laughs) 
<laughs> to take them. But to the point where nothing happened oh. and I just kept forgetting. Oh. And so I'm going to talk to my doctor. This is absolutely not a recommendation. Keep taking your medication. Uh, we were on a plan for me to stop, but I was a little hesitant because I actually wanted to get on birth control. And so we didn't want to do both at the same time. And I was like, you know, I mean, I figure since I'm not going on the birth control because I haven't been able to pick up my prescription because I got sick, I maybe I'm fine now, like without taking it since we're not doing two at once, like, yeah. you know, ton of hormone stuff. So well, good. Yeah. Congrats. I mean, we'll see. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to. But either, either way, I mean, it's it's cool that your body is trying to balance itself out. Yeah. Because some people don't have that. Yeah, I know. So that's I've, good. I'm, I'm pretty grateful if, if that is the case. And if yeah. not, I'm totally fine going back on it. Oh, totally. Yeah. We're we're advocates for medication over here for pills. Yeah, she takes <laughs> the right mine. ones. Never mind. Just kidding. <laughs> um, that's better than the meth joke I was about to make earlier. I decided <laughs> not to. There are so many times like I hope everyone's like this. Like, do you con- like constantly have an internal monologue of yes. almost said that? So glad I didn't. Oh, earlier. Yeah, I almost said a very bad thing. Naughty. You'll tell me after. Yeah, if I can remember. Yeah, I have. Well, a lot of times it'll be like a joke, like to be like quippy or funny and then realizing, oh, Oh, that would not translate or not even inappropriate. Like that might actually come across as hurtful. Oh, and then uh I'm like, oh, oh, shoot. That type of inappropriate. But growing up did not have that case. Same. Wave goodbye to all my friends. <laughs> um, bye. bye. Should we name See all ya. of them? <laughs> Gosh, you know who you are. Um, okay, so my silver lining is um, okay. So only because he's talked about this, but there has been stuff medical stuff with Arturo that we've been really worried about for a few months. It's taken a really long time for him to get in. And I went to him with him to his doctor's appointment yesterday. And um, it was like the first time I prayed out loud alone in like a very long time. Because I don't think of that. Like I think, do you pray out loud? Yeah, that's actually really common um, in the church I grew up in. Okay. It, it actually wasn't common for like in a group of people, just one person to pray out loud. So that's actually really weird to me. Like one person at a time. Yeah. Like if in in my Romanian church growing up, kind of a side tangent, if you're like in a group of people, usually everyone's praying to themselves out loud oh. and one person can be like speaking louder and people will say like amen or whatever, like agreeing with them, but like continuing to pray to themselves. Oh. And yeah, so. Well, that's cool. I mean, there's obviously no right or wrong way to pray. So whatever oh, works. No. Yeah. And I just hadn't really like sat and like prayed out loud. And if mm-hmm. I did audibly pray it was like when stuff was happening to me which I've been trying to like check myself on that and he was inside and I was mostly just like praying like not even just medically like like financially just everything and it was like a cool moment for me to be like all right even if this is worst case scenario then we're gonna figure this out and I, so silver lining is like he's gonna be fine he has to have a little more testing but he's gonna be totally fine and I think just having that moment of wow, I don't know what I would do if I lost you. And you don't really get to be in that spot, whether it's with a parent, a friend, or your spouse. Sometimes you start to take things for granted. Like Arturo mm-hmm. and I's eight-year anniversary is this week. It's like a long time. You get used to that person. And so then every once in a while, just like a tiny little dose of reality of like, wow, okay, I do like you. Oh, that's a relief. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so silver lining. And I felt like that was kind of appropriate. Um, 
Because today on the show, yeah, we have Amber Wright, who this was like, I mean, I, I feel like every week I'm like, this was like my favorite interview. We've just been like so blessed with the amount of people and like who we've been able to talk to mm-hmm. lately. But her story, um, I followed her on Instagram for a long time and um, I followed her before she was diagnosed with cancer. No way. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I have followed her for a while. And then um, like I was telling her at the beginning of the interview, I don't scroll a lot. So I don't see a lot of updates. And mm-hmm. I randomly saw a reel like on my news feed of her and I saw she was bald. And so, you know, I went and checked it out and I started watching all of her stuff and like her positivity like and her light through all of this like this is very recent guys so like she's going in for an interview six months ago she got diagnosed uh well I think it was a year wasn't it or was it six uh, months? It was six months. A year ago, she found out she had the lump. Oh, right. But she thought it was something else. They, right. The doctors thought it was something else. Yeah. And it was in the midst of COVID. So yeah, she and couldn't go in for a while. Yeah. So it's all really recent. I mean, she's having another surgery. They did find some more cancer. So um, it's not like this whole podcast ends on like, you know, we're all going to like, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe it will be and we're praying it will be, but it was really, it was like a privilege to be able to talk to somebody going through this currently and also just like her faith, like mm-hmm. in all of this. Yeah. I think that was the most encouraging part. We don't, as me and Olivia are believers in God, uh, we don't always get the privilege of having people who share an intimate faith like we do. And so being able to have someone going through one of the hardest things you can go through in life. I mean, mm-hmm. any chronic illness, I can't and she's imagine. She's 28, so she's our age. She's so it really age. hit home. She turned 28 during all this, and, and I was like, wow, that's she's us. She's speaking. She's just so wise and confident. And, oh, my gosh, it, it just spoke volumes. And it, it is just uh, a great awareness to have. And it just reminding me, like, don't take things for granted. Like. Yeah. And I think we actually talked about this last week, like mm-hmm. our health and stuff. Yeah. And, and just how grateful we've been lately and, and how faith or thankful that we've been like just automatically out of kind of nowhere also going through things. But I think that this this is exactly like kind of the topic of like the things that we've been going through and it's exactly what things we want to talk to on the podcast. So I'm yeah. excited just to bring light to um, a lot of areas in life that she talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as we kind of go into 2021, just thinking of like the trajectory of the podcast and we still want to have like so many different types of people on, but like these types of interviews are like, again, this is the reason why I started the podcast, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, so, so if you guys hear this and you feel led to reach out to her, reach out to her, pray for her. If you're a believer, you know, she needs a lot of that right now. And we're here as like her community. Mm -hmm. to support her and it's like really cool we get to do that so anyway um it's kind of a long interview so let's quit our jabbering and get into the show the dcs but explore like he desperately wants to go to new orleans and i really want to go to san francisco and do like a kind of a road trip yeah so that's hopefully in a couple of years time when the world is maybe a bit of a normal place again yeah (laughs) you can come with me i have a dream have you seen um have you seen National Treasure, the Disney movie? No. Okay, well, you have to watch it. Okay. It gets a bad reputation, but it's the best. <laughs> um, and I want She's weird, so if you don't like it, it's okay. <laughs> it's like a it's like a um, history heist movie. It's okay. very exciting. Okay. Um, but I want to go on the National Treasure tour and go everywhere they went. So you and your husband can okay. come with us. Perfect. Lisa's not invited. Okay. Wait, is New Orleans on the list? New Orleans isn't on the list, but maybe... I actually want to go to Maybe New we could really steal bad. something historical in New Orleans and make our own movie. Exactly. Yeah, I love going 
to prison. <laughs> I'm sure she would love to go to prison in America, very far from her country. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, I'm going to watch the movie and then I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. It's, it's a good one. I watch okay. it a few times a year just by myself. So... <laughs> And if, and if you don't want to steal anything, I'll hang out with you and we'll do something else. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we are sitting here, not here, here in the physical sense, but here in the virtual sense <laughs> with Amber Wright. And she's all the way in South Africa. And it's so crazy we get to talk to you. And we're so excited you're here. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This is so amazing. I appreciate it. <laughs> Of course. Um, well, if you want to just tell our audience just a little bit about you and what you do. Okay. So uh, my name is Amber Wright. I live in Cape Town in South Africa and I am 28 years old. I'm an interior designer by profession um, and I have a previous history, a career history in accounting. So that was my first um, chosen career. And then I decided to chase my passion and go and become an interior designer. So that was an amazing thing. Um, and has made me a lot happier. Um, and I'm married to an amazing man. Um, his name is Nick. And we live together in a beautiful apartment in Greenpoint, which is near the stadium where a lot of the um, Sevens rugby is played uh, and a beautiful little um, apartment close to the main city in, inside Cape Town. And um, I'm oldest of three girls. So we, I've got two younger sisters who are also in Cape Town and uh, my parents live here as well. Um, and yeah, I love, um, I love fashion. I love traveling is like my biggest passion and my biggest hobby and something that I've missed the most over the last sort of 18 months. Um, and yeah, another thing, and I think the reason that we're kind of here today is because of um, Instagram, which is something that I love as well. I love creating content and working with brands and doing a bit of modeling. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. Okay, so before we get into all that, I have a couple really stupid questions. Okay, <laughs> now, so my sister lives in Australia, and okay. a lot of people, when you think of Australia, you know, it's like the outback and kangaroos are hopping around. Okay, <laughs> so it's it's a city, and kangaroos do hop around, and there is an outback, but it's not like what we think. So when I think of South Africa, I don't know really what I think of. <laughs> and so for, can you describe like you just live like in a normal city? Like what is different per se about, I mean, like, I'm not going to ask you if there's like a lion or a zebra outside your house, <laughs> but I did just ask that. So I would love to get a little bit of insight. Antelope. There's antelope yeah, just yeah, running around I, everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to have a look and see if they're still here. They were here earlier. <laughs> Hey, I don't know. Okay. We, we have like totally... deer and elk running around here. <laughs> no, uh, it's, that's hilarious. No. Um, so Cape Town, where I live currently, is a city. Actually, very, I mean, I've traveled to Australia a couple of times. So it's it's a beach city. So we can kind of see the sea from where we stay. So there's a big beach. Oh, it's a big outdoor lifestyle culture in Cape Town. So we've got Table Mountain. That's basically right here. Um, so lots of mountain climbing um, and people go parasailing off the mountain. And then we've got the ocean. Um, so there's a big outdoor lifestyle. People walk a lot around here, which is very different to Johannesburg, which is where I actually grew, grew up. So we've been in Cape Town for five years. Um, so Cape Town's got that outdoor, but it's also a city. You know, and it's actually, I think, the, the biggest tourist hotspot um, as far as cities go for South Africa. Um, because obviously Table Mountain is one of the wonders of the world and we've got beautiful beaches um, and then amazing, you know, restaurants. There's a huge like foodie 
lifestyle here mm. as well. So great restaurants, great coffee. Um, and then whereas Ooh. Johannes, yeah, great coffee, great coffee. So we, we're, I think most Cape Tonians are um, coffee snobs in general. Um, but Wow, we would get along so well. Well, That's I like, saw I'm... you were drinking a coffee there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm from Portland, Oregon, so no- Northern Oregon. And it's known for like being so coffee snob-ish. Yes. Um, well, you'd love, it, yeah. you'd love it, yeah. You'd love it, yeah. Yeah, so, so w- what we then do have is like from – a little bit further from Cape Town, Joburg um, has a lot of like safari and, and wildlife closer. You can kind of drive two and a half hours. We had a bush lodge um, on a, a lodge on a bush um, farm where there was um, lion and leopard and elephant and all that kind of right. thing. So from Johannesburg, you can drive like literally two hours and be in the wild and be on safari. Um, it's a little bit further from Cape Town. Um, there are some amazing safari places to go, but you kind of have to drive between four and six hours Um and it's kind of different terrain. So we do have that, which is amazing because it's not far and we can go on safari, you know, which is one of my favorite things to do. So we do have the wildlife, but they're not roaming our streets. <laughs> oh, good. Darn. <laughs> I'm just going to keep that illusion alive in my mind for a while. It does sound fun. <laughs> like I, I totally would love to imagine riding an elephant to work. That'd be way cooler than a car. <laughs> it's just Jumanji everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome yeah wow wow, that's great I want to go I want to come visit there now so you'll come here we'll go rob some stuff and then we'll escape (laughs) because America come to you (laughs) the American dream exactly that's it right there (laughs) oh my gosh yeah you have to come and do a safari like that's the it's the biggest thing people come to do here and uh, there's nothing more special than being on safari like I I, of all the places I've been and all the things I've done I genuinely think that safari in in South Africa or or even in other parts of Africa are just incredible. That sounds so cool. Wait, so you have been to Africa? No. Oh, I thought... I heard you say, yeah, she has. And I was like, what is she talking about? I thought that's what you yelled at me. And I thought... No, I said, I want to hear. Oh. Uh, Because you were talking about it. And I was like, wait. (laughs) No, no, I haven't. I've been to Haiti. Is that what you were thinking? Oh, maybe. Oh, Okay. Either way, I've only been to like Disney's Animal Kingdom Safari, which is still very cool, but I don't know if it's probably as cool as the real probably thing. Not. I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to hear a little bit about when you quit accounting to become an interior designer because you're saying I just went on like on a whole long rant last night on my stories about people that should follow their dreams. And so I would love to hear your your steps you took when you quit that to do something you love. Okay, so yeah, it was it was a it was a huge thing for me. Um, I I did accounting at school and I was really good at it. Like I've always been, I think I've always focused more on sort of my analytical brain, maths, accounting, um, and I was those were my like best subjects at school. Um, and my dad was a, a chartered accountant and was in the accounting field, and so I had you know him to kind of look up to and the sort of life that he had given us, and I aspired to be, you know, in a corporate world, be a businesswoman. That's kind of the idea I had for my future, even though I didn't, you know, necessarily have a passion for it. It's kind of, it was, it just felt like the natural thing for me to do following my dad's footsteps. Not that he pushed me in that direction, just I naturally sort of aspired to that. Um, And so when I left school, I chose to study accounting and I did a, I did five years at a, a university in Johannesburg studying a bachelor of accounting science, which were the hardest five years of my entire life. It was so challenging. Um, and I think every year that I was there, I kind of was 
made more and more aware of how much I did not enjoy what I was doing. Um, but I kind of felt like if I just got to the end of my studying, maybe I just didn't enjoy studying, but actually working in the field would be different. Um, and I finished studying in Joburg. And just after that, we moved to Cape Town and I started working at an audit firm here in, in Cape Town. And after a year of working there, I realized like I was no more passionate about it. I was not enjoying it any more than I had for the last now six years. And I just felt like I'd given everything I had to that path and it was not making me a happy person and it was not fulfilling my life at all. Um, and I think I was in it really for the financial reasons. And I realized that like, it's really hard to stay in a career purely because you think it's going to like make you money, but you, you spend most of your life at work, right? So if, if, if most of the time spent is at a place that you don't like and doing a job you don't enjoy, then majority of your life is going to be unhappy. So these were kind of all the things that were going through my mind. And eventually I just decided like I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and I'd always loved fashion. Um, and actually when I was a little girl, I was like, I'm going to be a fashion designer. So I think that my, my love for fashion brought about this love for interiors. And over the years when my parents had sort of redone house, redone their houses and we recently had redone our beach house in, in near Durban in Belito, a, a small beach town. Um, I really found like this love for beautiful, uh, beautiful furniture and fabrics and, um, I think that's kind of where the, the, the dream was set alive in me. Um, and being in Cape Town, there's a huge interior design culture and a lot of the top mm. interior design firms and stuff are here. And so I quit my job. I left the audit firm and then I went into the years course at a, um, a college here in Cape Town and studying that I was just, I loved it so much. And I just love for the first time like in my life studying something creative and I'd really never other than in my private life, like in, from a fashion sense, I'd never really gotten to um, train that part of my brain because I didn't do art at school and I didn't do drama. So I never really, you know, lived out that creative side of me. And I realized that I have like a huge creative side and actually I prefer my creative side to, to the analytical side. And so I did the years course and I just loved that. And I loved learning and it was amazing how much we managed to fit into a year I was at the stage where we had just gotten married and I, you know, I, I wasn't interested in going to do like another full degree, like three, another three years, because I'd already studied five. Um, and actually I managed to do a year's course and learn so much. And the following year got a, got a place at one of the best companies um, working at a, at a interior design company here in Cape Town. And I've been with them for the last three years. And through them, I've managed to go um, to lodges in Africa and decorate safari lodges in Africa, uh, which is like, I have a huge passion for the bush. And so it's like, it was like a combination of two of my favorite things. So I went to Tanzania and I went to Zimbabwe and I did lodges there. And so that was just like the highlight of my, you know, my working life. Um, so yeah, it was the best decision I made. I mean, my husband is the happiest person because I'm happier and more fulfilled and, um, you know, I think that it's really hard to continue in a job. I think, you know, there, there's a, there was a time, you know, where I think maybe our parents, you know, you sort of pick a career path and you stick to it for your, your whole life. Um, but it's no longer like that. You know, we live in a world where you can change your career all the time. And that's what I've found to be fulfilling, you know, and now I've, I've taken a break from work just because of everything that I've gone through. Um, and I'm doing other things like with my social media and stuff. Um, but it's been so fulfilling to chase your passions and it's not easy. And it wasn't, it was a really difficult decision um, because you feel like you feel like you're failing yourself and you're failing the people around you um, for quitting. Cause it, you know, mm -hmm. I, I've always been like, you know, like don't be a quitter. 
and it does in the sense feel like quitting, but I've just found it to be the best decision that I ever could have made. What is, um, a, what's the popular like interior design looks in South Africa or like even when you're out in the bush, I'm sure it's different. And so I'm, I'm curious, like what differences yeah. we might have like trends. So I think that, you know, we follow a lot of the international trends here and, um, especially at my company. So the lodges that we do, it's a, it's a big hotel group that have lodges all around Africa and like North up in Africa and in South Africa. And for each lodge, there's a different look and feel that we create for the lodge so that not one lodge is the same, you know? Um, and I think that there's, so in Cape town, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of um, places that do like sort of the older Victorian look. Cause we've got a lot of like really historical buildings here in Cape town that have been here from, the 1800s and I think probably even before um but my style I'm very much more of like a modern uh, sort of you know sleeker um person myself but what's nice is that when you're in this field you don't you're not always working on uh, like using trends that are like your favorite so you have to learn to it's it's about the client right so you've got Mm -hmm. to give them what they want so you get to really experience a whole bunch of trends and um, do different looks and feels for, for different places. So you get to learn along the way, but we definitely, we definitely are, you know, we follow sort of the trends of the international market and the international Mm -hmm. world as well. So, so yeah. Yeah. I guess that's, that's true. I wasn't sure if there were like certain things that you guys have, cause I, I follow a lot of like Australian, um, interior design, like pages and stuff. And I feel like it's a little more like the only difference between their modern is like because I love interior design. It's just so beautiful to me. And I think um, with Australia, there's much more like beachiness. Of course, it depends like where it is, but it's more of like a beachy, chill, modern vibe. And I'm so obsessed with that. So I was curious if you guys might have something similar to that since you're by the beach. Yeah. Well, I think, I think there's definitely that, like, especially the houses that are sort of with the sea view, there's definitely that, like people love doing that here, like lots of white and lots of texture. Um, I think for, for the lodges and stuff, there's always, we always try to incorporate a bit of like African patterns, whether it's in patterns or whether it's in um, fabrics or something like that, you know, to bring in a bit of, because you're in the bush. And I think that the, the, the thing that we try to achieve the most is to sort of have a, a really good marriage between what's outside and what's inside. So when you're in the bush and you're surrounded by nature and you kind of want to have that reflect inside as well. So you will find like at the bush lodges, it'll definitely be different to anything you've seen in America because we're using a lot of things that are, you know, um, African artifacts and African patterns and things like that, that probably you won't see so so much. Yeah. So, and then you were talking about your husband being really, well, that he's like happy because you're happy. Was he really supportive of you? Like following like your dreams and your passions? Like how, how did that correlate? No, he was, he is the best. Um, and he was so supportive of me. I think he was, he was the, the person that saw what being in a career that didn't fulfill me, like he was the person that saw it the most, like the effect that it had on me. Um, and especially being the kind of person that I am, like I'm naturally a very happy, very bubbly, outgoing kind of person. And um, I, I think I felt a lot of that being squashed by this career that I wasn't fulfilled in. And so he was, you know, he was just like, you, you need, you deserve to be in a career that makes you happy. And whatever that means, you know, you must chase that. He's, he's of the opinion as I am, that you should be doing something that you enjoy. And I think that I was inspired by him because he, 
he was in, he was doing a job that he really loved and to be able to wake up and be, you know, excited for the day and be, you know, even if you're working really hard, which, you know, there's always going to be hard work in whatever you're doing, you love it, you know, so it's, it's easier to work really hard in something that you enjoy than be working until 2am auditing and hating what you're doing, you know? Um, so he's been super supportive of, and, and even when I decided to stop working for a while and take a break from work, he was super supportive of that. So it's amazing to be with someone like that because I think it's got to be really difficult if you've got to try convince the person that you're with as well um, because it's a really tough decision and you kind of, you want that support and you want someone to kind of be like, yeah, go for it because it can be quite scary. So you kind of need that support to make you feel, you know, just a bit more comfortable in your decisions. So I was lucky like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just interviewing somebody that said a lot of people's dreams die with their spouse. And I thought that was like so good because it's like it's so it's so true if you don't have that support because you can kind of get over if you don't have the support of your parents like it's harder, but you can kind of get through that. But if you're like you love someone and live with them and they're not supporting you, it's like, well, what are you supposed to do then? Like continue in a career that you're not excited about you know and I was just talking to my boyfriend we do the same stuff and we were like on set doing something and it like during when we were filming I like was looking at him and I was just like this is so cool that like we get to do these things together and we're like-minded but we're different enough to where we're independent but we have each other to support you know yeah Um, so that's just really cool that you that you have him and that he's so supportive of you and and just really everything and everything you've gone through too. It's really, really cool to see yeah. that. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, it ultimately affects, you know, if, if something's affecting like your personality, it's going to end up affecting your relationship, right? So it's going to, it's going to play it. It's going to have a toll on your relationship or your marriage. And, you know, when I was studying, we were still dating and um, it does have a toll because you're crabby and you're grumpy because you're unhappy and that has an it has an effect a negative effect in your relationship so it's a huge positive when you you know and, and making the change made a change in our relationship because I was a happier person so we ultimately had a happier relationship so it is super important and and it, it must be tough to not have that because um it's really difficult to be with someone that's you know not supportive of what you're doing so I'm glad that I haven't had to worry about that and he seems very sweet just from your Instagram in general and he seems like he's been very are you able to hear me we can always start over it's okay okay cool from the top let's start from the very beginning (laughs) do I have have to make all the national treasure jokes again because that was only in me one time (laughs) um from your Instagram he seems like he's just been so supportive of you um, like through your journey and yeah. um, through your breast cancer, everything that you've gone through. I was actually just watching your reel um, about um, like finding out um, how how you found out that you had breast cancer. And then uh, we were like about to cry, like <laughs> talking know. about. Don't um, cry. I know uh, we were uh, I was listening to the part where um like your hair was coming off in the shower and how he was like helping you like cut your hair and I was like oh my gosh like just the way that he he seemed to carry himself um like in like the smallest little situation I I can't imagine what that's been like in your journey so um 
tell us tell us about that. I and I can't believe how recent all of this has been for you. I I, I honestly thought you've yeah. been going through this for so long and I thought it was only because of like how much strength you have and courage in talking about what you've gone through so yeah let's start from the beginning of how you found out that you have breast cancer okay um yeah so firstly just on just on the point about my husband um it's 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 really crazy for me to think, and, and I think through this whole journey, what's become blatantly obvious is that we, so we've been, we've been together for nine years now and, and married for four. Um, and only going through this have I realized that when we met nine years ago, like God put him in my life for the exact reason that knowing that I would have to go through what I've had, to, what I've had to go through and that there's not another person in the world who could have done and been everything that Nick has been for me over this journey. And for me, that's just like mind blowing because after everything we've gone through and all that we've been through, I've just been totally unbelievably blown away by the human being that he is. And that literally, I know for a fact that he was put in my life because he was the one person that could stand by me and do the bajillion things that he has done for me over the last six months. Um, and it's like, that's for me, just like the biggest sign that God just wants the best things for you, that he could, you know, put Nick in my life in the strangest way all these years ago so that I would have the best possible partners to walk through this journey. Um, so that's just been like, he has been the hugest blessing in my life. And l- even before this, but I think, um, you know, going through this, you're really, you're made aware of the kind of the people you have in your life. And so I'm really, really blessed um, because he is just the absolute best. Um, so Can I say something yeah, really quick of course. about what you just said, which is so mind blowing. We're both believers. And um, so it's been really cool to hear you like talk about God, <clears throat> especially in everything that you've gone through. And just something that you said is like, you're not blaming God for like what you're going through and that you're like, I I know like how much like he cares for me and how much he loves me by like who he's like put in my life. And so I think it's just like so crazy because in time, in any, even the small situations, I can be like, wow, like what, like, where are you? Why am I going through this? Like, what is even going on? Like, why would you do this to me? And it's so much more. And that's where I like have like the biggest wake up. It literally just happened yesterday. I'm like, oh, I don't have enough faith. Like I'm not like believing that he is like all things and that he is all good. Yeah. And so I just thank you for just speaking that because I think that's very relevant to me right now. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, I I think that we'll kind of talk about it a bit if you guys want to, but my faith has been the thing that has carried me through this. You know, I could never have walked this journey without God. Um, and, And I think one of the biggest things is that uh, what I've kind of learned is that it's it's really easy to kind of be a believer and have faith and um, like have a good relationship with God when things are all going well and like your family's healthy and you're healthy and life's good. And it's a lot more challenging to be that the Christian that you are when things are good, when things are really bad. Um, and what I've kind of, you know, I've had to lean on God way more in the last little while, um, having gone through what I've been through. But without my faith and without believing in God, like, I don't know how I would have gotten up every day and gotten through every day. Um, because 
ultimately the strength that I've had to walk this journey has not come from me, you know, um, and throughout this whole journey, there've been so many just blatantly obvious signs from God that he's just there and he's just helping me through this and he wants the best for me. Um, and that's just been like the, the, the biggest blessing of this whole thing is God's just amazing presence in my life that has been so much more obvious having gone through all of this trauma. Um, and it's just really, you know, deep in my faith so much more. Um, so, so yeah, so I was diagnosed, um, in August last year, August, 2020. Um, I found a, uh, in March of last year, right before basically our country went into, um, heavy lockdown for, for COVID-19, I found, um, a lump in my breast just by chance. Like, I don't even remember the day I found it. I just remember feeling it and being like, wow, that's really weird. I haven't noticed that there. Um, and because of lockdown and because of, um, you know, COVID being as bad as it was, none of the doctors were, were seeing patients. So I went through the whole of, um, it was about probably six to eight weeks of being in some various levels of lockdown, not being able to go to the doctor. And I kind of, it was kind of like, it was one of those things that was bothering me, but I was kind of like, it's going to be okay. And when things open up, I'll go see my doctor and it'll all be okay. Um, because years ago, I'd found a tiny little lump, which was diagnosed as what's called a fibroadenoma. Um, which is basically just a non-cancerous lump that loads of women have and they can grow. So when I found that it was kind of like, okay, well, it's just one of those that have kind of gotten bigger. Um, so when lockdown um, lightened and I was able to go to the doctor, I went to see my gynae and she uh, examined me and she said, no, it feels exactly like that, a fibroadenoma, um, but it's in this position, like it was right here where my bra, my bra wire would sit. So it was kind of, it was catching me. And she was like, given the position, like I'd really say you should just get it taken out. And she re uh, referred me to a breast surgeon who I went to go see the following week. Um, and he was like, no, it's a fibroadenoma. Um, and he agrees that it's in a position that we should take out. But COVID's really bad at the moment. So he wouldn't recommend going into hospital right now. So another like two months kind of went by after that. And then uh, around August, um, sort of end of July, I phoned and I was like, it's really giving me, uh, it's really causing me pain. Um, can we please, you know, is how are things at the hospitals? Can we please just do the operation? So I went in, uh, I think it was around the 5th of August and they took the whole lump out. And a week later I went for my follow-up where they checked my wound and they checked my, took my stitches out and, um, and then I went in to chat to the doctor because I hadn't gotten any calls. They obviously send whatever they take out, they always send away for testing. And I hadn't gotten any calls, which kind of made me assume that everything was fine. Um, and then I went into his office and I sat across from him and um, he basically said to me that I had shocked, I had shocked all of them um, because when they tested the lump, it turned out that it was a four centimeter tumor. Um, and yeah, I was then that day diagnosed with um, stage one type two invasive duct carcinoma. All these words that I had no idea what they were. Um, and in that one moment, my whole life was turned upside down. Wow. Yeah. How did you, I feel like I, like, like there's a part of me, like, of course you were in the midst of a pandemic, but was there a part of you that was like so angry at the fact that you like couldn't go in earlier and like get it done I mean of course I feel like you're better than me so you no 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 I I um you know I think in that in on that day I remember having like obviously just being totally overwhelmed with all of the emotions and I think that on that day I just decided that 
I wasn't going to be angry at anybody else. Like, because I could easily have been like, blame the doctors, blame, um, whatever, blame COVID, blame God. Um, and it's not that it's been easy throughout, you know, I've had to keep like checking myself throughout this journey because it can be easy to fall into that mindset, you know, because it's, you know, it's easy when you want to, you want to just put blame on somebody because then at least there's a reason, you know, and throughout this whole thing, through all the tests and stuff I've done, what we found is that there really isn't a reason that anybody can give me for why I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I don't have a history of breast cancer. I, um, I did genetics testing and I had no mutation of the main cancer genes. So it was really just bad luck. Um, but to answer your question, I just kind of, I just decided that I couldn't go into that mindset because I didn't feel like I would be able to fight this if I was spending energy blaming other people or blaming God. I really just felt like I needed to put all of my energy and my thoughts and my um, my soul into just fighting this thing, um, which wasn't easy, but it was kind of just the thing that I had to keep reminding myself and, and ultimately decided that that was the way I was going to do it. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy that you can find God in like the little things too, like the fact that the tumor was right there. So it was kind of bothering you and the fact that you did go in and it wasn't somewhere else that maybe it would have been fine and who knows what would have happened, you know? And so it's like, so grateful that you found it when you did. And, um, one thing that struck me when I was also listening to your story was that you said, um, in the moment, you were like, this isn't my life. Like you're getting this diagnosis and you're like, you see this in movies. And when you were saying that you watch this, watch this in shows, it's like, that's so true. You go, wow, that would be so scary. But you don't think how would it be in the moment? And I also think it's really easy to be like, oh, no, nothing's going to, no, nothing's going to happen. You know? And I just went through something with somebody who had like a medical thing and just thinking the whole time, no, no. And then going, actually, wait, we need to play worst case scenario and we need to figure out what this is because it can happen. And so for you sitting in that chair in that moment, I'm sure all of those emotions are like, it's crazy to look back on. But I mean, what was that like for you? Because you were alone, right? Like Nick couldn't be with you because of COVID. So like, what was that like dealing with that alone? And you said you looked out the window and you were just like, I just can't imagine what that was like for you. Yeah, it. it's always <clears throat> that moment is both ingrained in my mind forever and also like the blurriest memory for me like you kind of you're it's it's such an overwhelming thing to be told um and it, it was such a shock because I was no like the thought of being diagnosed with breast cancer was not even something that I allowed to pass through my mind at any stage leading up to this you know um so sitting there I just remember feeling like everything around me came crashing down and I almost felt like I couldn't hear and I couldn't think and I couldn't see. And you kind of are just in shock. And I literally, that was the first thing I thought was, wait, no, this isn't right. Sorry. I've, I've walked into someone else's story. There's no ways that at the, the, you know, I was 27 at the time. There's no ways that at 27, I'm being diagnosed with breast cancer. That's crazy. Um, I'm sure that this has got to be some like bad nightmare. Um, and it was really hard because he launched straight into like all of the things that would ha need to happen. And you're kind of like barely able to process what he's just said. And, and now you're hearing words like chemotherapy and mastectomy. And, and then he says chemotherapy. And all I can see are those TV shows where they, you, you're like vomiting in a chair and 
girls with no hair and really thin and really like sickly looking. And this is all that's going through my mind. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to look like that. I, that's going to be me. That's going to be my, my life. Um, and it was kind of just, I, the, the, it just basically turned my entire world upside down in that one moment. I felt like my whole world got turned upside down. I think that was a really surprising thing about hearing like how the doctor like just like went went straight into like well this is you know the process and this is what even just like every stage and every type I I mean like give me a second you know (laughs) (laughs) um you just told me I have cancer and so yeah that's that's so insane but but I think like one thing that I'm I'm just hearing about you in your personality is like breast cancer wasn't even like on your list of things it could be honestly that's my first thought I'm so pessimistic (laughs) and I'm like oh my gosh like okay but yeah and I'm I'm I have a lot of anxiety so I'm sure that's part of it but yeah I mean you you're like you're Mrs. Brightside and like you you look on the positive and like you don't look to blame anyone else and I think even just something talking about coming going from um an auditor to uh being an interior designer like you're able to surpass your like mental state and like just go for it and and so I think that speaks a lot of strength through you and and so I I would love to hear um if it's not too soon about like your journey like with your faith in the Lord and like how how that plays a part in everything um yeah so I I'm lucky that I've I've been a Christian my whole life I was raised in a Christian family um we went to church from an early age um you know, Sunday school, youth group, um, all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I think in, in your, you know, we, I think we all go through those stages in our teenage years where you, you believe in God and you believe, you know, what the Bible says and all that kind of stuff, but you're not actively seeking a relationship with him. Um, and I think also being, spending most of my sort of later teenage years dating people that weren't, you know, Bible believing Christians, you know, that also plays a role. Um, and then I met Nick and he was the most like God fearing man I'd ever met. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, ultimately why I fell in love with him because that's shone through. We love Nick too. Yeah, we love, <laughs> we love <amazing. laughs> You can join, you can join a really large club. <laughs> um, but, you know, meeting someone um, and, and, and ultimately starting to date someone that, um, you know, loves Jesus it makes, it made me a better Christian, you know, and it made me want to be a better, um, a believer and, um, strengthen my faith. And, and, you know, obviously it's, you know, you are who you surround yourself with. I, I really believe that that's true. So I think, um, being with someone who, um, you know, who shares your beliefs and shares your faith is firstly really important. Um, and I think you know, Nick, Nick's family was also super, um, you know, really good, like amazing believers and being around him. So you're constantly around, just around, surrounded by people who believe in the Lord and who talk about the Lord. And um, it's not like this thing. I think that there's a stage in your life where you kind of feel like being a Christian is like uncool. Um, and then the older you get, you kind of realize, actually, it's the coolest thing you can be because what is life if we don't have something to, something to believe in, right? Um, 
And I think, you know, so firstly, my faith got strengthened hugely being dating Nick and then ultimately getting married to him. Um, and then, you know, being diagnosed with cancer, you, I think that it can kind of go two ways. You can, you can go into the mindset of why God, how can this happen to me? I spent my whole life believing in you. I go to church. Um, but you know, God hasn't given me cancer. You know, what God has given me is people around me to help me get through cancer. He's answered prayers when we've prayed for things, um, like through this journey, there's been I think that he is really tired of hearing all of the people praying for me because there are a huge amount of people. Um, but, you know, answering prayers where it's like so obvious that that would not have happened if you didn't, if you didn't believe in God, you know? Um, and I've just been totally blown away that through this whole journey of like a real dark, sad, depressing phase in my life, I've just been so much more aware of God's presence and um, just like blatantly aware of how much he loves me and that I'm not alone because there's a lot of times in this journey where you do feel alone because no one around you can really understand. Um, and in those times is when I've really just clung to my faith and, and God has been there every time. And the, there are so just like, for example, what you said about the, the positioning of the lump, there are a million things that have happened like that, where it's just like, God has got my back, you know, um, and I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for him. And, and I genuinely wouldn't have gotten through this journey if it wasn't for my faith. And also then being surrounded by other people who are praying for me, because that ultimately, you know, has been a huge source of, of strength for me as well. Yeah, I often talk to Arturo and like whenever I see people going through something or I'm going through something and, and I know that maybe that person isn't a believer and I just I feel so sad for them because it's like I want them to have Jesus so bad because I'm like you think that being a Christian is restricting you think you can't do all of these things but you have so much freedom in Christ to do anything like we can do anything that he like he's there yeah. for us to do anything yeah you know and so it's like it's so cool that you were able to to lean on the Lord in that time um and I would love to know like the next steps for you in the sense of like you found out you had cancer and this was very yeah, sorry recent. I totally like jumped oh no no <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. From there. how rude honestly <laughs> I know, um, <laughs> um but I would love to know so like even just like right after you get to the car and what yeah. what what happens I know he's talking about fertility and now you're thinking about kids you're thinking about oh I'm gonna go through chemo I'm gonna lose my hair and that's a huge thing that's the first thing I think most girls think yeah. about um yeah and yeah. if you in, in any of that stuff yeah so I really that day I basically didn't even have a moment to think for like quite a while so I, I sat in his office and we had the conversation and straight from there I went um from his rooms next door to have an ultrasound to basically check if there was any cancer present in my lymph nodes under my arm, because um, that affects the staging of the cancer. Um, so that was right afterwards, uh, only after that. So then my doctor actually phoned Nick because Nick was at home and my doctor phoned him and told him. And I texted my family right before I went to have my ultrasound. And when I came out of the hospital, my dad and Nick were standing there waiting for me. Um, and that was the first moment where I was kind of, the reality of what was going on kind of came crashing down on me. Um, and I just basically collapsed into their arms and um, burst into tears and just like sobbed. 
Um, and I think for the three of us, I think that's a moment that we'll never forget for as long as we live, um, just like the hardest moment of our lives. Um, and basically from there, it's it, my life turned into a series of um, appointments and scans. The next day I went to have a CT scan and that was basically to check that there was no cancer anywhere else, like no tumors or anything present anywhere else in my body. Um, and directly after that, I went to see my oncologist and the day before when he was mentioning things and saying that, oh, I'd go see an oncologist tomorrow. I didn't even know what an oncologist was. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to Google what kind of doctor that is. Like, is that like a doctor for your body? I was like, I'm, I wasn't sure. And the next day I was in an oncologist's room listening to, she basically went further in depth into the whole chemotherapy journey. Um, and we went straight from that into fertility treatment because there's obviously a risk that chemotherapy can wreck your ovaries or, or destroy your eggs. Um, so that was the advice that, you know, just have a backup plan. We do fertility. So the following week it was fertility and I started immediately on treatments. So giving myself injections and then we did um, egg harvesting. Um, and Nick and I chose to, instead of just freezing eggs, we fertilize and froze embryos. Um, so we did that. And in the middle of that, it was, you know, a whole bunch of other tests and scans and bloods. And then I also did genetics testing. So one of the big things that would kind of affect the surgery that I'd ultimately have to have was um, if there was any mutation in my genetics. Um, and there's, there's, I think, I think it's about eight main genes that if there's a mutation, they have varying degrees of um, risks associated with cancer. And, and in my case, specifically breast cancer. Um, so I went into genetics testing and, and they send that away to, it's actually a place in San Francisco and we waited for those results. And that was ultimately going to tell me whether I would have to have a mastectomy or, or, or if I could elect to have a lumpectomy. Um, and I think even more than that, that was going to basically tell me what sort of risk I'd have for the rest of my life, because those, those genes have like, there's higher risk of second cancers or second breast cancers and that kind of thing. So, you know, that was the first thing that we were kind of praying for was that I wouldn't have um, any of those, a mutation, any of those genes, which I didn't end up having. Thank, thank God. Um, so, which basically meant, meant that I could elect to not have a mastectomy basically. Um, so for about, it was probably about four weeks from being diagnosed um, four to six weeks before I started chemo. And in between there, it was just like treatments, not treatments, it was appointments and um, scans and um, tests. And then the, you know, the, the, the fertility was probably one of the most traumatic things about this whole um, journey, because one of the things that I've wanted to be my whole life, like forget any job, any career, all I've ever wanted to be was a mom. Um, and I kind of felt like that was maybe going to be taken away from me and the stress of having to like, how many eggs are we going to get? And we're short on time. And how many are we going to get to fertilize? Because as many as they take out, they don't always manage to fertilize that many. So that was really traumatic. Um, but we managed to get six eggs and six embryos from the six eggs, which was amazing. Um, and so then once the fertility was done, then it was like, okay, well now it's chemotherapy. And the Friday afternoon, my oncologist phoned me and she said, cool, the embryos are sorted. They're frozen. We'll see you on Monday for chemo. And um, that weekend was um, a really challenging. I, um, I went home, I left work early and I went home and I basically cried the rest of that day. And then we did fun things. So that night um, I basically spent that weekend, we had dinner with my family. And then the Sunday, my sisters took me to the West Coast National Park to go look, it was flower season. So it's basically just this entire huge nature reserve covered in flowers. Um, and it was probably like the happiest, one of the happiest days of my life. Um, right before I felt, because it did feel like 
I, there were many times where I kind of felt like chemotherapy was kind of going to ruin my life. Um, and then Monday came around and I went to chemo and it was, you know, I think, I think it's still hard through all of this. It's really hard to kind of believe that this is like your life. Every step of this way, I've kind of had to go like, this is crazy. How can I be checking this box on this form saying I have breast cancer? It's just insane. Um, so I went into chemotherapy and that was 20 weeks. Um, it was over 20 weeks. I did 16 rounds of chemo. Um, and yeah, that was really, really tough. And then after chemo, it was operation. Um, and now, so my operation was about four, six weeks ago. And Friday, I've now got to go for a second operation because in my first operation, they found more cancer. So Friday, I'm going in again for them to basically operate again and just remove more tissue and test that. Um, and then after that, it will be five weeks of radiation. And then I'm claiming my healing and I will be cancer free in Jesus name. <laughs> wow. You will be. You have a whole salt and pepper community and Oregon praying for you. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So finding out, you know, you're going to have you have an operation, get tissue taken out, find out there's more cancerous tissue. What is that like? I, I feel like that I being a, a, as me being a pessimist, that would feel like I'm constantly being slapped in the face. Yeah. Um, but what's that like in your eyes? <laughs> no, so it kind of, it felt, it felt like deja vu because, um, I felt like I was back in August last year because it was basically the same procedure. I had this big operation. It was like a much bigger operation. I was in hospital for a couple of nights. Um, it's obviously a much more extreme operation than the one I had last year. Um, and then go for my follow-up appointment, go sit with the nurse. She redresses me, go to his office and we sit there and, and he, and he says, but you know, and there's that, but, and I think it was a lot harder the second time. Like the first time is obviously the first time you hear this news is obviously devastating and traumatic, but when you feel like I had kind of set my, um, you know, you kind of set the, the a pole in the ground where, you know, you just have to get to this point and then this point, and then it's going to be done, you know? So it was kind of like, get through chemo, get through your operation. And that's like the two main, like biggest, hardest things, and then get through radiation. And then it's kind of done, you know, that's kind of how I saw it in my mind. And then it's like, okay, get through this traumatic um, operation and, oh, but now wait, we found a cancer cell in the opposite side of the same breast. And it's like, are you kidding me? And I, and I, and I have to say, um, and God knows this is the truth. I was, that was the most negative day that I've had in this whole journey because I really did feel that day. Like this is so unfair. I am so upset. How can this be happening? I've, you know, I've been through so much and now we kind of like, I felt like I was back at the start. Um, and so that day was a very, very negative day for me. And I really did have a lot more negative emotions and I allowed like all of that negativity to to kind of creep in. And then I kind of sat and thought to myself, um, you know, again, I don't have another choice but to get through this. And whatever that means, I've got to do that. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of those first few days after that conversation praying and just asking God for, um, for strength and help because I couldn't, I couldn't do, I felt like I couldn't do this again and I couldn't go through this again. And they were talking at that stage, they were talking mistake to me now because they'd found more cancer. And I was like, I can't do this. I just need strength. And I just need, um, I just needed God. Um, and I really just, I just thought, you know, what more can I do? I can pray more. 
um, and maybe I didn't pray enough. And not that that's why it happened, but I can do more. I can pray more and spend more quality time with God. And, and that's kind of helped me get through that, get past that sort of why me, how can this happen to me again, um, negative uh, mindset that I did find myself in that day because it's really traumatic to sort of go through all of this and then be told again, oh, no, there's more cancer and oh, no, there's another operation. Um, so it was harder the second time. Um, but I, again, I, I think I just decided, I just decided that I couldn't go that route. I couldn't go down that route of being negative because I still have a fight. I still have a fight to fight, you know. Um, so I just pulled myself out of that before I, I got too involved there and was just like, no, we're going to continue as we have been. We're going to believe we're going to have faith and we're going to get through this. Yeah, it's crazy growing up as Christians because we always are like, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is so true. And, you know, he's he's not going to give us anything we can't handle. Yeah. And that's just the bottom line. And it's so hard to think why is this happening to you I mean like just looking at you just this beautiful positive person and being like okay why is this happening why is this her path and there is a reason yeah I don't know what it is (laughs) but I do know a really big reason is how I mean I cannot imagine how many women you're inspiring that either are going through what you're going through or aren't like I'm not going through what you are and I am so reminded to not take things for granted, to stop being negative about things and your positivity. I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I wanted you to be on the show, like just in general. And so, um, I mean, just thank you for, for sharing all of that and having that positive light through all of this and sharing your entire journey on Instagram and being vulnerable. Like you are changing people's lives, whether you ever meet those people or you don't. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of the thing that I've, I've, I've found, solace in throughout this this whole process is that I feel like the reason well at least a reason for having gone through this is that I can be there to support other women and I can be um, hopefully inspire other women to not be so afraid if you know if they're get going through this or going through something else that you can get through the very worst news that you can hear as a 28 year old and you can get through that you know um and it's been one of the great blessings of this journey is having people reach out to me and say, you know, that they they've they find my story inspiring and I've helped them so much. And I've helped there was this one woman, I I mean it was it was like the most emotional thing someone could say to me, but she was she was also diagnosed with with breast cancer and she messaged me to say that um she was on my Instagram listening to my story and she has a, a five-year-old son and he came in and was watching the 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 video and was like, Hey mom, she looks like you. Um, and she said to me, you've helped my five-year-old son understand that it's not just his mom that's bald and that's going through this, you know? Um, and for me, that's just been like an amazing, like an amazing thing to know that there's a, there's a, there's a reason and there's a purpose. Um, and ultimately what I hope is that my story will inspire people. My story will give people courage to face whatever it is, the challenges that they face and, hopefully you know that I'd lead people to God through my story you know because that would be the ultimate um um like reason for going through this you know that my story could touch people's lives to the point that they turn turn to God or find God um but but really just being able to be there for people because I remember those first few days I didn't know I did not know one person who had breast cancer 
And I was like, I don't know what to expect. When does your hair fall out? What do you do when it falls out? Did you buy a wig? Where did you buy a wig? Um, what do you take to chemo? Um, and it was such an overwhelming, scary thing to deal with and not have anybody to ask or talk to. And I ended up reaching out to two girls on Instagram who ultimately, you know, sent me a list of things that I needed for chemo and said to me, like, it's going to be okay. And now I get to be that person for so many other women, you know, which has just been amazing for me because I have people messaging me like literally every day saying they've just been diagnosed or they're going through this. What can they do? What, what, you know, what about this? How did I, how did I find this medication? What were my side effects? And it's, it's amazing. Like I'm, I'm a very motherly, I'm a big sister and I've always kind of been like, I've always mothered people in, you know, to some extent. And so I've kind of like been able to use that part of me that I love. It's like one of my love languages and being able to be there for other women who are going through this. And that's ultimately made this whole journey rewarding in like this crazy way um, in a way that I would never have otherwise been able to experience through anything else in life, you know, other than through this. So it's been a huge blessing actually through all of this. What's it been like as far as like finding your identity in Christ, um, like losing your hair? Like I can't imagine, you know, what that would be like because culture says like long hair. That means you're like so womanly and so feminine. And Which by um, the way, you are stunning <laughs> with no, like without oh any gosh. hair. Like oh. you don't even know. It's yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you get that all the time, but yeah. like literally every single part of you <laughs> I know I'm like insane. turn like to your, the left your a little cheekbones. let me see those cheekbones <laughs> I actually love watching your videos and like when oh. you do turn because you have yeah. like beautiful high cheekbones and you do your makeup really well and so it's just like really nice to look at your face <laughs> thank um, you <laughs> it's really nice to look at your face <laughs> I'm, I'm only thank hitting you. on you a little bit <laughs> I'm really don't tell flattered. Nick I'm don't tell Nick <laughs> you won't mind it's fine <laughs> <laughs> okay good I'll keep going um um, but yeah, like, you know, uh, we ugh, like we talk about in Christianity, like finding your identity in Christ. I can't imagine like in moments like that where you're losing your hair and you're like, wait, but this is what it means to be a woman. Like, that's what culture tells us. Yeah. So it was really hard. I think that from the very beginning, I think the thing like forget breast cancer, the stats that tell you how many women like have tragically died from this disease. The thing that I literally could not stop thinking about was, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my hair. I'm going to look like all those people you see on the movies and in the TV series. Um, and like, I'm going to be ugly. I, I, I mean, I think I said in that video on, on Instagram, I'm, I'm going to look like Smeagol. Like what, what am I going to, it's going to be, it's going to be terrible. And that night that Nick shaved my head, I was, I mean, I bawled my eyes out. I cried and cried and cried. And um, when I looked in the mirror, like my, it was like, we, we didn't have a great razor. So it was like really, really patchy. I looked like, uh, I looked really like scary and really sick. But I kind of, in that moment, I was like, okay, well, this is now done. So I don't have to fear it anymore. And I was almost relieved that now this one thing was behind me and I didn't have to fear it. But it was the thing that I had feared the most. Um, and I think through this whole thing, what I've realized, and, and it is one of those cliches, but all of these outward things that society tells us are beautiful, there are things that can be taken away because I've lost them all. You know, I lost my hair. I lost my eyebrows. I lost my eyelashes. I was swollen and puffy and put on weight from all the medication and all the steroids. 
Um, and so then you have to ask yourself, okay, well, what's left behind when all of those things are taken away? And so you realize that actually it is about your inner beauty and because that's what's going to be left behind. Um, and I think that um, the, this journey has made me really work on myself in a way that I would never have had to otherwise. Um, and I think that uh, it's, made it, it's made me realize how important it is to be a good person, um, in like, just like a genuinely good person, because that's what people are going to see. And even though I've lost all of the things that I thought made me beautiful, I've had more people tell me how beautiful I am through this journey when I've felt my worst physically I've had the most compliments of people telling me how beautiful I am. And, and I think that's because for the first time in my life, people could see me for who I really am inside and not have the distractions of all of the physical attributes, you know? And I think that as, as human beings, depending on how someone looks, you judge them for, in, in whatever way, you know, you can make assumptions about someone based on how they look. And with, you know, with losing all of that, all that you really have is your personality and who you are inside. Um, and so I think that it's also made me super aware of that we, that we need to have grace for other people um, and be kind to other people because we have no idea what they're facing behind closed doors. You know, I think that if you had to see me um, with a wig and with makeup and dressed up, you'd never know what I, the, the journey that I've walked these past six months. And, and that's the same for anybody else you deal with in the day. So like, just be kind to people um, because we, we don't know what struggles people are facing. Um, and I think that, um, you know, these inequality, the, the inner, our inequalities are what are ultimately going to shine through, um, past all of the physical things and the things that we're told make us beautiful. Um, and ultimately if I can just be remembered for, if people can remember me because I was kind, not because I had great hair, like that's way more important to me. Um, and through this journey, I've had to really solely rely on the person that I am and, I've been lucky that I've had this opportunity to really work on who I am and become the best possible version of who I am. And, and I think I'll, you know, I'll never be the same again. Um, I think it changes your whole perspective on life. And I've really been made super aware of how blessed I am and how much I have to be grateful for um, through all of this. You know, you can walk through the darkest, most challenging time and I'm just like, wow, but I'm so blessed because I have an amazing family. I have so many people supporting me. I have an incredible husband, beautiful home, great doctors. I still have so much to be grateful for. Um, and I think that's what's really just important. Um, and it has been, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy um, to look in the mirror and to, you know, not be the person you were and to see photos of me from like six, eight months ago. And I'm not, I'm not the same person, you know, I, I'll never be the same person, um, but in a good way, I'm going to be a much better person for having walked this journey, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy that it's like, if you asked anybody, like the most beautiful woman in the world, <laughs> but it's like, she's not going to want to be remembered just for how she looks. She's not going to be like, yeah, man, at my funeral, I hope they just talk about how pretty I was. But it's exactly. like we do put so much focus on that. I mean, I'm super guilty of that. And yeah. then just being like yeah. making your hair your identity and exactly. making these outward things like because I I mean, I talk about this a lot in the podcast. Sometimes I genuinely think if I looked a different way, I wouldn't have friends. And that's like, yeah, so stupid because I wouldn't want to have those friends anyway. Exactly. Um, but it is so difficult. And so it's um, 
just really good insight because I mean you're going through it and I mean you're still like I said you're so beautiful but um, I can imagine being like you said not recognizing yourself and that I can imagine that would be really difficult yeah and I just have like one um, takeaway before uh, we get to the silver lining but um, I while you're talking and I just like can't stop thinking about like oh okay so one thing you said um I was going to leave this for the intro, but I, I want to talk to you about it. Um, you said your happiest moment in your life is when you went to the West Coast to the flower fields. And that's in the midst of having cancer. That was so mind-blowing to me. And I'm like, why? Like, there's something deeper to this. And it's like how that connects with like, other parts of who you are and things that you have said. And um, I I just want to say like how this actually is like true joy in Christ. And I think that a question a lot of people have is like, how do I have joy in the midst of like darkness? Um, like, you know, we or read Joe. in general, it, not even oh, in, in darkness. Yeah. In yeah. general, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to say like, this is joy like you are joy and then um I just have uh these few verses I I wanted to read it's first Thessalonians 5 16 through different different things (laughs) 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 Uh, 16 through 19 and 24 it's um Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. The one who calls you is faithful and will do it. And the reason I, I chose um, to go, um, like, do not quench the spirit, like, you're not, like, denying the spirit. You're allowing him to work in you in the way that he wants to work in you. You're not saying like, you have to do these certain things for me. Um, and I think that's, that's really cool. And, um, the one who calls you is faithful and will do it. And you've, you, you talked about that, that God is like, has been faithful to you that before you even knew what his plan was, you're like, this is why Nick is in my life. So I just want to say like, thank you. Just, I mean, generally, I'm sure so many non-believers are going to get so many takeaways from this. But as a believer specifically, I I feel like I'm like changed by this, like deeper than a teaching. And so I I want to thank you. you. That's amazing. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. Um, You know, like like I said, I've said it a few times to various people. um, If I can just lead, if I can, okay, it can be two things. If I can strengthen one person's faith or bring one person to to know God during this journey, then this whole thing that I've been through will be so worth it because there can be no greater reward than that um, for me, you know, I think for for, for any believer. Um, and so if that is something that can come out of this journey, then it will be worth it for me. Dang. Sorry, I'm a crier, so I'm glad that I'm not the I'm only not one right a now. Crier, and I'm getting teary-eyed. I almost Jeez. cried like five times before this, but no one else was. So I'm really glad it's not just me now. Um oh. but yeah, I mean, I'm so touched by that because it's it's so true. Like yeah. what more could we ask for in life? Yeah. Like truly deeply when we get down to it. What more could we ask for in yeah. life? And it's for people to know Jesus, because what you were talking about earlier, like 
I feel so bad like not like oh I feel bad for people who don't know God because like it can sound like we have pity on them but no like you don't have hope like you don't have hope in Christ and like what he's actually trying to show you in this and so yeah that's beautiful yeah and I mean we were put on this earth to bring people to Christ yeah like that is so so whoever guaranteed a smooth ride who guaranteed a long life who said oh living till 90 is the ultimate purpose why because yeah. what can happen in those 90 years maybe couldn't even be as impactful as these nine months or 10 months that, that have been in yeah. your life, yeah. you know, and it, yeah, it is, it's just crazy. And I think, I think we can, I, we're, I know we're going a little long. I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I do have one more question um, before our last question, actually. <laughs> and this one is more of like a tangible be- takeaway just for women. I mean, I just turned 28, she'll be 28 and, um, I've heard more and more stories about people our age getting cancer and um, it's not talked about a lot. We're not supposed to go in to get checkups until we're 40 um, and we're supposed to self check, but nobody ever talks about that. So I would love for you to touch just on what we can be doing as women um, and the questions we should be asking. And if we see a lump, how quickly we should get that taken care of and that type of stuff. So, you know, I think that the most important thing is we ultimately as women, we know our bodies or at least we should. Um, and I think that that's the biggest thing about self checks because I, I had done, like, I've heard about that my whole life and it's like, well, what do you actually do? Like, I have no idea. Even now having been told a few times, like if you had to like show me like what to ask me to show you what the technique is, like I wouldn't really be able to, um, to, to tell you. And that's someone that's like been through this. But it's easy to find out firstly. And secondly, it's just it's just about knowing your specific body. And I wasn't even like examining myself for for like breast cancer awareness. I was just doing something in the shower, like washing under my arm. And I felt and I was like, that's not normal. And I think that there's like a lot of the time we firstly we're fearful. So it's like, I mean, I know a lot of people, and I've spoken to a lot of people who have like a history of breast cancer in their family and they're afraid to go and get checked because they, they're afraid to find out that their history of cancer is coming to play out in their lives. And that's like the wrong mindset to have, because if you can find like, like everybody says that early detection saves lives, but it really does. Because if you can find your cancer, if you can find cancer in a lower stage, your treatment plan looks different. Your future is brighter. Your chance of getting through it and recovering is way higher. So we've got this fear of like, I don't want to, I, I don't want to know. Like I'd rather just not know. I think that's one of the, the, one, the one problem. And I'm hoping that, you know, talking about it more can may raise awareness that really is about early detection. And if I can go through what I've been through, then face that fear. Like, I just want to be like a, a beacon of like, have courage. And if I can have courage and walk through what I've been through, then have the courage to go and face that test and, and rather face it head on than run away from it. Because God forbid you do end up getting diagnosed. It's going to be a way harder journey if you find it later on, you know, so it really is about like the earlier, the better. And the other thing I think is the way I felt is this will never happen to me. I'm 27. Um, I'm young, I'm healthy. Um, I eat well, I live a good, like I have a good lifestyle. This will never happen to me. And I think that that's generally how we feel. Um, 
but I think what what sort of I'm hoping my story will show is that cancer doesn't discriminate and it can affect anybody and more and more younger women are being diagnosed. So I think the first thing is just like know your bodies. And the second thing is like just go for your regular checks. Like as a woman from the age of and, and it'll vary depending on who you are or, or whatever, but whether it's 18 or 21 or whatever, go see the gynae once a year, you know, it's expensive and it's expensive everywhere, you know, and like paying for medical aid and paying for doctor's bills, it's expensive, but you need, it's, it's so important. And I've always been that person, like hammering on to my parents, like go for your checkup, go, go see the doctor, go do your regular whatevers. But it's so important because otherwise you're going to, if, if you wait two years or three years, if there is something, you're going to find it later on and it's going to be a much harder journey. Um, so if you find something, go immediately. You know, I knew when I found this lump, it wasn't normal. I just knew it was not normal and it needed to come out and I wanted it to be out so that it could be tested so I could move on with my life. Like that's how I felt. Um, and so it was like, okay, well, I'm going to phone the, the guy I need tomorrow and I'm going to book an appointment and I'm going to see her as soon as I can. And I think it's just, it's just, we need to make our health a priority. And I think we all just become, and I don't think it's, I think it's not laziness, but we all just kind of, we get so, we carry on with our lives and we don't prioritize things like our checkups that are just there specifically there to make sure that you're doing all the things. Because if you don't know how to self-examine yourself, if you see your gynae once a year, she's at least going to be checking you. So at least you're getting checked once a year. Um, and then you can even ask her, you know, um, and at least then you've, you've got a regular person checking up on all of the main things and hopefully, you know, God forbid you, you don't know, no one wants to find anything, but the sooner you find something, the better it is for you and for your future. So, yeah. We, um, always ask our guests, uh, what their silver lining is in either, um, this part of your life or just in general, um, it can be a, a specific situation, but just something good that came from something bad or hard or difficult. So I think the thing that, the, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the, the biggest thing I've realized throughout this journey is how much I have to be grateful for. And I think that, you know, it's easy to take it's easy to take your life for granted when things are going well. Like you, we, we all, I think, take our health for granted. Um, we potentially take our spouse or our partner for granted. We take our family for granted, not in a, not in just in like a natural way. Um, we take for granted the fact that you can go out for dinner or go for a walk on the streets or just wake up feeling normal, you know? And when that all gets taken away, you realize how important those things are and, how how much you have to be grateful for and i've just realized that i have so many blessings in my life that have become so much more um like prevalent because of what i've had to go through and i'm like never going to take them for granted again you know i'm never going to take my health for granted again i'm never going to take exercising for granted again like you know, i would complain i hate gymming i hate going to the gym i'm just so grateful if i can you know walk on the promenade um and not you just be able to go for a walk and not be tired and not be in bed, you know? Um, and then my relationships, I am so grateful for the people I have in my life because without them, I could never have walked this journey. Um, so I think the biggest thing that breast cancer has taught me is to just be grateful because we always have something to be grateful for. Even in the worst days that have been played out in my life over the last six months, I've just been made so aware of 
the many blessings in my life and how much I have to be grateful for. And I think that that's ultimately why I've been able to fight this journey because I have so much to fight for um, and, and be grateful for. Mm, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you all. Can you tell everybody where to find you and follow up with you? Of course. Um, so my handle is amberdenay 22 on Instagram. Um, and yeah, on Friday, I'm going in for another operation. So I'll definitely be posting some updates on that. Um, and yeah, otherwise, most of my updates I do on, on Instagram. And then I'm still hoping to get onto my blog and update that a bit. Um, but Instagram is my main place. So awesome. yeah. Okay. Well, we're praying for you. Let us know if we can ever do anything, share any awareness or anything like that. Um, We're so grateful you took the time to be on the show. This was really, really good. You guys are amazing. And um, I just want to say just from um, like talking about God, I I don't think there's been many opportunities in my life before going through this and posting on Instagram where I've had the opportunity to just talk about my faith. So to sit and do that with you guys and for you guys to have a, a platform and a voice where you openly have conversations about God I just think it's amazing so you guys are you guys are going to change people's lives as well so thank you for what you're doing wow thank you so much thanks (laughs) she's gonna cry again all right shakers thank you so much for listening um we had such a good time with Amber it was honestly just so inspiring and um like humbling and eye-opening eye-opening to be able to talk to her um we just love her and her positive attitude And it's just so amazing to see somebody with such a bright and a positive attitude despite everything that they're going through Um, and even in the dark times just trusting God and it's just such a good lesson for us and and we hope that you guys really got that from her and learned that. Um, And like I said before, feel free to reach out to her. Tell her you're praying for her. Um, Tell her that we sent you and I know we're praying for her especially with her recent surgery and everything going on. Um, and we're just praying that the Lord would heal her and she would be freed of this cancer. Um, and she would be able to use her story to help so many women. Um, you can find her Instagram in the show notes below. So head on over there, give her a follow and stay up to date on her story. You can follow us at the salt and pepper podcast on Instagram, and you can follow us personally at Olivia Crin and at it's Lisa Brosser. Um, you can also join our secret Facebook group, the salt and pepper podcast insiders there. We just chat about really anything and everything. So, I think that's it and we will shake it up with you guys next Tuesday thanks for listening tune in every Tuesday on the saltandpepperpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts be sure to subscribe and please rate and review follow us on Instagram at the saltandpepperpodcast make sure to like and follow our Facebook page and email us for any questions comments or ideas about what you want to hear on the show we will see you next Tuesday I'm all shook up